and welcome to Season 5 of Wait a Week Mystery. This is your host and author, J.C. Bodden. If you've been with me before, you'll know that each week I present a chapter from one of my novels. We've done four seasons so far, one for each of my first four books, which are part of the Devil and Oak Wind Mystery series. This season, we're starting on the first book in my newest series, The Next Generation, if you will. The series is called Devlin's Legacy, and this novel is entitled Echo Chamber. If for some reason you're joining us in the middle of things, welcome, but you might want to go back and start at the beginning, or at least at the beginning of a season. At any rate, I hope you enjoy what you hear and come back each week for more. So, on to this week's podcast, which, as I mentioned, is from my novel Echo Chamber, which is the first book in the Devlin's Legacy series. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next chapter, Echo Chamber, as well as my other four novels, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. And as always, if you'd like to order this or any of my books, click on the link in the podcast info to visit my website, jcbodden.com. Now, let's not wait any longer. Here we go with episode 501, Echo Chamber, chapter 1, Wednesday evening. Even though it was Wednesday night, D'Angelo's restaurant was, as usual, crowded with patrons. This was just how Gabriella McTaggart liked it when she was working the bar. In town, after being on tour for four months with her father's band, it was fun to be back in the saddle mixing drinks again. She loved catching up with old friends, talking to strangers, taking the pulse of her hometown. She had just served up a tray of draft beers for the waitress when a young woman plopped herself down at the bar. Hey, can I get a long neck? Gabriella gave her a long look first. ID? Oh, sure. The woman blushed and began digging around in her purse. Uh, I, I, I guess I must have left it in my other bag. But I swear I'm legal. I know I look young. I get this all the time. I just moved to town. I start to work tomorrow. I'm an intern. Been moving boxes all day. I could really use a drink. How about it? Gabriella studied the woman's face. It was possible she had underestimated her age. Had it been to her, Gabriella may have let it slide. But this wasn't really her call. After another second, she just smiled and shook her head, then angled her head toward the other end of the bar where her uncle, Nick D'Angelo, stood, thick arms folded across his massive chest, dark eyes missing nothing. Sorry, you can ask the owner if he'll cut you a break. The woman smiled tentatively at Gabriella and took a deep breath before she slid to Nick's end of the bar. Gabriella watched with amusement as the woman leaned over, carefully arranging herself for maximum cleavage, and tried to con Nick into serving her. Nick, for his part, was not buying it, although Gabriella noticed his eyes flicker down to her chest before he shook his head. He had been running a pizza joint in a college town for 30 years, give or take. He was not about to risk his liquor license, no matter how good the view. He cut his eyes at Gabriella and raised an eyebrow, knowing that she had sent the woman his way. Sorry, miss. I don't serve anyone under 30 without proper ID. How about some sweet tea? It's the best in town. The woman sighed and accepted the offering and then slid back down to Gabriella's end of the bar. You knew he wasn't going to serve me, she said, sullenly stirring the ice with the lemon wedge. Gabriella simply shrugged. You owe me, she said. Gabriella smiled. How do you figure that? You could have told me. Gabriella smiled again. You want a slice of pizza to go with your tea? It's the best in town. The woman cocked her head. Is everything in this place the best in town? Gabriella chuckled. Most people think so. What do you want, pepperoni? No, I want him. From where I sit, he's the best in town. 
Gabriella was taken back. It wasn't that she didn't appreciate directness. In fact, she admired it. It was just that she hadn't expected someone to make a play for her uncle. She glanced his direction again. Strong chin, dark, penetrating eyes, broad shoulders, trim waist, quick smile. More than one of her friends had referred to him as a silver fox. She looked at the young woman carefully. Nick? He's married. Very married. To my dad's sister, in fact. The woman took a sip of her tea. What? Oh, no, not him. She shook her head. I mean, he's hot, I guess, but he must be like, what, 55? 60? No, I want him. She turned on her bar stool and stared across to the back of the restaurant. Who? Him, the gorgeous one with the dark hair, see? At the booth in the back. Gabriella smiled and nodded slowly. This made more sense to her. A lot more sense. Oh, him. Yeah, he's gorgeous, all right. The woman turned back to Gabriella. You know him? Gabriella smiled ruefully. Only my whole life. What, is he your brother or something? No, childhood friend. Tell me everything. Risa Quinn, local celebrity, son of a pretty powerful family. Powerful family, huh? Yeah, his mother's a bigwig federal prosecutor, works out of Atlanta, has put away a number of high-profile criminals, crime bosses, that sort of thing. His dad was the chief of police here in town for a long time. Now he's a special agent with the FBI. You know the movie Hitchhiker Hits? Ooh, yeah, I love that movie, especially the ending. You know, when the FBI guy comes to the house, very intense. That detective is his father. Daniel Craig is his father? No, silly. Daniel Craig played his father in the movie. Reese's father is the actual detective. It was a true story? Gabriella nodded. Every bit of it. No kidding. That was his father? Yep. She turned and studied Reese a while longer, then she turned back to Gabriella. Is he a cop like his dad? No, he's a writer. A writer? Yeah, he writes crime novels, mysteries, that sort of thing. He just got back from a book tour of his latest book. He's already had four books on the New York Times bestseller list, even though he's only 28. A writer, huh? That's sexy. Gabriella smiled. Her eyes left the woman at the bar and lingered on the man's profile. She nodded. Oh, yeah. Risa Quinn is sexy, all right. Sexy as hell. Risa Quinn was having dinner at D'Angelo's with his agent. The book tour had been successful, even if somewhat exhausting, and he had promised himself time to unwind. Unfortunately, it didn't really seem that this was going to be an option. His agent, Jeremy Swink, anxious to build on his most recent phenomenon, had come back to light a fire under him in his sequel. Although Jeremy was not exactly his favorite dinner partner, D'Angelo's certainly was his favorite restaurant. Besides, he had heard that Gabriella McTaggart was back in town. At least he would be able to lay eyes on her again. It had been way too long. So tell me, Reese, who is that gorgeous thing at the bar? Jeremy asked as the pizza was served. Reese glanced over, glad that the dim light of the restaurant would probably hide his blush. I don't know, some co-ed, I guess. Watch out, she's drinking iced tea. In this joint, that means she's underage. No, 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 not her. Although she does keep staring at you. No, I'm much more interested in the bartender. Nick, Reese teased. I had no idea your taste ran in that direction. I'd be careful there, too, ex-Marine. He knows about 50 different ways to kill you without leaving a mark. No, asshole, not him. Her. 
Reese finally allowed himself to overtly watch Gabriella. Dark hair, golden eyes, slightly lopsided smile, freckles across a delicate nose, skin that could only be described as peaches and cream. He knew every inch of that face. The rest of her, too, for that matter. He had known her his whole life, been in love with her just about that long as well. The only trouble was, she said that loving him and being in love with him were two different things. Reese didn't understand the distinction. Gabby insisted it mattered. He stirred when he realized Jeremy was speaking again. She's absolutely beautiful. Gabriella McTaggart, daughter of local legend Gabriel Mac McTaggart. Mac McTaggart? Yeah, you know, the Georgetown boys. Mostly country, some old-time southern rock, even a little gospel stuff. Real hot right now in Nashville. Oh yeah, I thought that name was familiar. He's the lead singer? Reese shook his head. No, the lead singer is Frankie Hamilton. Max sings backup, plays fiddle. Gabriella sings with him too now. They just got back in town after being on tour. And she's tending bar? Well, this is her aunt and uncle's place. She's worked here off and on ever since she was old enough to carry a tray. She's not exactly the kind of girl that can sit around for very long, so she works here whenever she's in town. Jeremy twisted in the booth to watch Gabriella behind the bar for several long minutes. He turned back to Reese with a leer. I think I'm in love. Reese studied the man for a moment. He was tall and lanky with a full head of dark brown hair and pale blue eyes, which Reese concluded were probably his best feature. Actually, not all that bad-looking in an editor-from-New-York sort of way. Still, he was 15 years Gabriella's senior and twice divorced. And although Reese considered him a friend, if he had been a character in one of his books, he would have used the term smarmy to describe him. Reese chuckled and shook his head. I don't think you've got a snowball's chance in hell, man. Jeremy sighed and stabbed at another slice of pizza. A man can dream, can he? Jeremy Swink was too busy with his own fantasies to notice the tone in Reese's reply. You got one thing right. Gammy's the stuff dreams are made of. After the meal, Reese walked Jeremy back to the heart of Auburn Inn. All in all, he felt good about the evening, even though at first he had been reluctant to meet with the man. His next book was rattling around in his head, and talking about it helped to make him eager to get started. The July evening was warm, the full moon rising on a cloudless sky, and Reese strolled through the city park on his way back to his car, still parked outside of D'Angelo's. He was surprised to see a young woman, who had apparently been squatted beside the passenger side of the car, stand as he approached from the opposite side. When he got close, he realized it was the same iced tea drinking co-ed that had been sitting at the bar, watching him all throughout his dinner with Jeremy. Hello, he said tentatively, wondering what she was doing beside his car. She smiled brightly at him. Is this yours? He smiled slightly. Vintage Ford Mustang, red, convertible. He hated to admit it, but besides his black lab bow, the car was the possession he was most passionate about. He ran his hand over the fender. Yes? Her smile grew wider, and she stepped closer to him. He took a step back, blinking, keeping the car between himself and the woman. I have some bad news. He felt a grip in his gut. Yeah. He could hear the worry in his voice. He wondered if she picked up on it. I might have dinged the door. What? He came around to the side of the car where she was standing and squatted beside his baby. Where? She bent over, her face impossibly close to his, but said nothing. He looked carefully all over the passenger door, but saw no mark in the light of the parking lot. He ran his fingers all along the side, 
no dents or dings that he could feel. She moved her fingers across the door, trailing his. Before she could touch him, he jerked his hand away and pressed it against his knee. Where? he repeated, finally making full eye contact. She drew in a sharp breath, her eyes widening slightly. Oh, I didn't see anything. I dropped my purse and everything fell out. It's really stupid, you know, but I was down here scrabbling around in these dumb shoes. She paused and held out her foot. Reese's eyes skimmed down her legs to her feet. Short skirt, smooth tan skin, graceful calf muscle, pretty pink toenails, and strappy high-heeled sandals. He felt himself blush as he forced his eyes back up to her face. She didn't appear to notice, prattling on. Anyway, I lost my balance and kind of fell against the door. It's such a pretty car, I was worried about it. He breathed deeply and stood, then ran his fingers through his hair. I don't see anything. I, I think it's okay. He peered at her again. I'm Xenia, she said as she took a step closer and gripped his arm, and he flinched as if her touch burned him. She smiled tentatively, unsure as to how to interpret his reaction. I'm Reese, he said with a quick smile. Interesting name, Xenia. He took two steps backwards. Her hand was left hanging in the air. Her touch had left just the faintest residue of memory on his arm. Something about a small, blonde boy and a scruffy dog. He glanced at her hand, now touching nothing but air, and felt himself blush again. She let her hand fall to her side, covering her embarrassment with more words. Xenia means hospitality in Greek. Its biggest claim to fame is that there's some fish hatchery there where Tecumseh was supposedly born. Of course, that was before it was a hatchery. She moved closer. Tecumseh, eh? Reese replied, backing away again. Now he was pressed against the side of his car. Yeah, he was a Shawnee chief. Tried to unite all the Indians to battle the whites. Even came down here to Alabama. Very famous guy. Reese smiled. Yeah, I know who he was. She went on, missing the note of irony in his voice. My mother was crazy about the whole Native American scene. It could be worse. My twin brother's name is Shawnee, although he goes by Shaw. Anyway, we used to live in Dayton, close to Xenia. Rumor is that we were conceived at the very spot where Tecumseh was born. Did you know that, at the exact moment of his first breath, a flaming meteor streaked across the sky? Tecumseh, I mean, not Shaw, of course. She stepped toward him again, looking up into his face. His eyes were smoky green. They stared at her. Definitely a winning combination, paired as they were with his thick black hair and long, dark lashes. A meteor? Seriously? The smile left her face. Sorry, too much information, huh? Her voice dropped to a whisper. I tend to go on and on when I'm excited. Reese didn't know how to react. He had been told often enough that women found him attractive. Still, they usually didn't throw themselves at him like this. He considered what Jeremy Swink would say, what he would probably do. He cleared his throat and pulled his keys out of his pocket. Going somewhere? She asked, her voice sulky, her mouth drawing into the beginning of a pout. He glanced at her again. Blonde, curly hair, blue eyes, petite frame, nice legs, plenty of cleavage. She was pretty all right, sexy even, and obviously interested. And it had been a long time. He thought back to the shock of her touch. Wondering fleetingly how her skin would feel against his. What other secrets it would reveal. Yeah, he answered with a sigh as he ran his fingers through his hair again. It's late. I gotta get home. She isn't even old enough to get a beer at D'Angelo's. Besides, since when did you have to settle for a desperate woman willing to throw herself at a complete stranger in a parking lot? 
It hadn't been that long. Careful not to step too close to her, he slipped around the front of the car and stuck his key in the driver's side door. Now she was in full pout mode. She followed and stood beside the door. He cranked the window down as he started the engine. She leaned over, her blouse leaving little to the imagination. Reese cleared his throat again, wondering if she knew how much he had seen. When his eyes met hers, he realized with another blush that she knew exactly what he had noticed. He shook his head, a slight smile on his lips. It was nice to meet you, Xenia. Maybe I'll see you around. She straightened and watched as he drove down the street, the wind from the open window blowing that thick hair into a messy mop on the top of his head. Oh yeah, you're going to see me around, all right, Reese O'Quinn. You can count on that. Reese took the long way home, thinking he needed to clear his head. Watching Gabrielle attending bar and then being propositioned in the parking lot had gotten his juices flowing. He lowered the top and let the summer air swirl around him as he drove along the river. It was a beautiful night, the full moon now high in the sky. He drove for a long time, trying to think about his next novel, tentatively titled Downpour. He came out of his reverie with a groan when he realized he was on the winding drive to the McTaggart home. Shit, he said aloud to himself. He hadn't intended to end up here. He pulled to the side and let the car idle, running his fingers through his hair. What the hell are you thinking, Reese? he asked himself. He was shifting the car into reverse when he saw headlights approaching from behind. Shit, he muttered again, knowing that he was busted. On this road, it could only be one of the McTaggarts behind him. Sure enough, the car that pulled up beside him was Gabriella's. Hey, Reese, she said. Her voice was low and sultry, just as sexy as always. He raised his hand. Hey. She turned off the engine and climbed out of the driver's side. He watched her out of the corner of his eye as she sauntered around the front of her car. When she got even with his door, he realized that his hands were gripping the steering wheel so tightly his knuckles were white. He quickly let go and dropped them to his lap, trying to dry them on his jeans without her noticing. What are you doing here, Reese? she asked, a slight frown on her face. He allowed himself to look at her. After a moment, all he could do was smile and shake his head. With a shrug, he replied, Hoping to get lucky, I guess. Gabriella threw back her head and laughed, the tension broken. I thought you were going to get lucky with that girl from D'Angelo's. Reese squinted up at her. Her amber eyes glowed in the moonlight. He shrugged. I'm not that desperate. What? She was pretty. Oh, yeah, pretty. And underage. Come on, Gabby, give me some credit. I know what it means when Nick serves you sweet tea at the bar. She told me she was starting work as an intern tomorrow. Said she just forgot her ID. You know how Nick is. An intern, huh? Like at the hospital? Gabriella smiled. What, so now you're interested? Reese shook his head quickly. No, I was just thinking, you know, maybe Tess knows her. Gabriella's smile deepened. I see she got under your skin a little. Huh? I know you, Reese O'Quinn. Don't try to fool me. I've seen that look in your eye before. He fidgeted for a moment, then patted the seat beside him. Come sit with me, Gabby. She smiled and nodded. He watched as she walked in front of the car, sat on the door, and swung her legs over before plopping her bottom on the seat. She grinned at him. She was the only person on the planet that he would allow to enter his car that way, and she knew it. He turned the key and killed the ignition. The sudden silence was nearly deafening. Hey, Reese, she said again, her voice as smooth as the night stars overhead. Hey, yourself. His voice, rather than sexy, just sounded rough. He couldn't help it. She had always had this effect on him. Somehow he managed to avoid clearing his throat. When'd you get back in town? Yesterday, you. 
Day before. How long are y'all staying this time? Dad says a while, says his vocal cords aren't what they used to be, although I think he sounds better than ever. Ennis is playing varsity football this fall. I think the real reason we're taking a break is Dad wants to see his games. Varsity, huh? This is what, his junior year? Yep. What position? Safety. Reese nodded. Gabriella was the oldest of four. She had two brothers, Matt and Ennis, and a sister, Tilly. As demanding as a full-time musical career was, family had always come first to Mac McTaggart. Reese silently vowed to check out the high school schedule, maybe make one or two of the home games. It would be an interesting diversion. Besides, he liked hanging out with the McTaggarts. How's your mom? She's good. Her artwork has really taken off. Yeah, I saw the article about her in the New York Times. That's great. Gabriella nodded. Speaking of the New York Times, your latest book is doing pretty good. Four weeks in the top ten. Congratulations. He glanced at her. Her skin looked luminescent in the moonlight. You've been counting? Yep. She nodded, her voice now no more than a whisper. Thanks. So, tell me, Reese, really, what are you doing out here? He shifted on the seat so that he could look at her fully. Her beauty never ceased to amaze him. He was suddenly very glad he had blown off the girl in the parking lot. Pretty couldn't hold a candle to Gabriella McTaggart. She was simply the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. But, as stunning as she was, it was not her looks that captivated him. He loved her with an intensity that was difficult to explain, impossible to ignore. That was why he had driven down this road, why he would never be able to stay away. He chose his next words carefully, aware that she would not want to be reminded yet again of his true feelings for her. Can't a guy come to visit his best friend? He watched the smile break slowly over her features. He felt the familiar tug in his chest. He turned his head, suddenly not wanting her to see his expression, worried that his eyes would give him away. Best friend, she said gently. He shrugged. I'll take what I can get. His voice was husky again. Damn it, why couldn't he hide his feelings from her? He knew it drove her crazy. If he wasn't careful, she would push him away. She had done it before. She shook her head slowly. You're impossible, Reese. For the hundredth time, she considered telling him to leave her alone, cutting him completely out of her life. It would be better for him if she simply broke it off once and for all. But she knew she wouldn't. Couldn't. She had had this argument with herself so many times that tonight the whole thing took place in less than a blink of an eye. He had been her first. She had been his. And he was right. She was his best friend. And he was hers. As hard as it was to admit, she needed him as much as he needed her. He watched the shadow pass over her face and knew the debate she was having with herself. Somehow it made him love her even more. He leaned over and gently kissed her cheek, his whiskered chin rough against hers. The vision was exactly the same as it was every time. White dress, yellow roses, her hand trembling slightly in his palm as he slid a gold band around her finger. Nothing's impossible, Gabby, he sighed into her ear. Nothing. The knock at his door surprised Jeremy Swink. He had been lounging on the bed in his hotel room, flipping the television between some softcore porn and the sports channel. At first he assumed it was a mistake and ignored it, but when he heard his name after the second knock, he went to the door and looked through the peephole. He never expected to see the woman standing in the hallway. 
He quickly removed the chain and opened the door. "'Hello,' he said as he adjusted his tie, suddenly wishing he hadn't taken off his sport coat and that he had turned off the television. "'Can I help you?' "'Mr. Jeremy Swink?' "'Yes.' "'You and I need to talk, Mr. Swink.' Xenia dropped her purse on the couch and paced the floor, pushing the embarrassing images of the last few minutes out of her mind. She was surrounded by boxes in her new apartment, and she took a deep breath and looked around. It was nothing to brag about. After all, this was July in a college town, and most of the better digs had been leased long ago. Still, with a couple of small bedrooms, plus a living room, bath, and kitchenette, the tiny mother-in-law house behind the large home in the historic district had everything she and her brother needed. Besides, if things worked out like she planned, she would soon be able to move out and let Shaw have the place to himself. She tiptoed to his door and pushed gently, the sliver of light from behind her spilling across his bed and reassuring her that he was sound asleep, snoring softly. She pulled the door shut, carefully turning the knob to prevent the click, and returned to the couch. She flopped down, then glanced at the stack of books by her knee. One by one, she picked them up and spread them in order on the coffee table. They were the first things she had unpacked. Riso Quinn's novels, Backscatter, Windswept, Cloudburst, and his latest, Thunderhead. She knew them each intimately, had read and reread them countless times. Now she turned each over and studied the pictures on the back. Of course she had recognized him at the restaurant, and she had certainly not needed to pump the bartender for information about him, let alone tell her his name. She was surprised again, however, at how much better looking the man was in person. It was usually the other way around, the publicity shots better than the real thing. But in Reese's case, the pictures hardly did the man justice. They were flat, boring, uninspired. There was no way they could capture the man's presence. His charisma made all the more compelling because he had absolutely no idea he possessed it. She opened windswept to the flyleaf, tracing her fingers over his autograph. She was certain he hadn't remembered her from the book signing in Cincinnati. And no wonder, really. There had been several hundred people there that day. And that was only one of many towns on his tour. She smiled ruefully to herself, realizing that, as much as it would have complicated things, she was still disappointed that she had seen no flicker of recognition in those smoky green eyes tonight. She glanced across the room at her reflection in the mirror. After a moment, she tossed her curls and squared her shoulders. Soon enough, Reese O'Quinn, you'll remember me soon enough. That concludes this week's chapter of Echo Chamber. Thanks for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for episode 502 of Wait a Week Mystery or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. And as always, I hope your wait is a happy one.